We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Daymore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Thursday afternoon. It's December 7th. Wolves beat the San Antonio Spurs on Wednesday night. The Wolves' 15th win in their last 17 games, which is still just wild. Uh, (laughs) Just a wild thought that I need to wrap my head around uh, whenever these things are happening. I've got uh, Britt Robson from uh, Mint Post here with me. Britt, how are you? I'm well. It's, you know, I, uh, I do the, how are you doing as if we didn't just talk for 30 minutes? Right that's before. all right. I, I uh, actually, I, I'm, I'm good. We were just talking about the, literally the idea of uh, Being how, how much, no, how much you uh, uh, repeat when a team has won 15 out of 17 or lost 15 out of 17, which is far more common in my experience covering the Timberwolves. <laughs> Then you begin to say, well, you know, how do I do I start to think about draft picks? Do I thought to think about, a, you know, theoretical trades? And I'm always kind of against that because it's like yeah. what's in front of me is what this team is. And, you know, any other thing is kind of extraneous. And so now when I sat down, you know, to write the column, it'll be out tomorrow and then post. I, I had to take like a sampler platter, you know, just take two or three topics because it's all going to kind of come down to they're really good and, they, you know, they're really playing well. Uh, so you try to look for uh, more spicy ways to say it to yourself, and then hopefully that works for the reader. Yeah, it it is, as I'm sure it is for fans who are going to the games or watching the games, like, it is this different experience of obviously the of just winning, but like thinking about the team and thinking forward because there have been plenty of times. I mean, we've done this, we've done it plenty of times, 20 games into the season where we're we are talking right. about through a longer lens because it's the most interesting thing, you know. It's right. like right. you know, you don't want to talk about how crappy the, the the team is, and now it's like, okay, uh, we do need to be talking about what's in front of us. And we were again. We were joking before this of like, how many different ways can you say something's good? Like Finch was asked about you know, how important has Mike Conley been <laughs> in like in the post. That was so good. And, and he started. He was going to say, you know, 
what do you want me to say? And I mean, then he yeah. said, pretty damn goddamn important. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole room just erupted. You know? yeah, because it is. It's like, what do we, but, but at the same time, like, right. The things that have been good with this team uh, have been relatively consistently good which it's like, okay, do we do another, do we write another column? Do we do another podcast about how good Rudy Gobert's defense has been or the importance of Mike Conley? And it leads to this, like everybody's like uh, laughing about Finch's like meat on the bone uh, <laughs> comment that we like are me like hand raised. I keep saying that, but I, the reason I'm talking about those things or thinking about those things is because I'm like, yep. Like the Rudy box is like pretty checked done about seven podcasts about how awesome he's been defending the right. rim and my right. like it's like the interesting thing to me or why we talk about these things is I, i'm trying to figure out things or glean things of what's to come you know that's right. what i've always done when the team was bad and it's what i'm going to try and do uh when the team is good and that was kind of like the ethos of your your column too like you closed it with like there's more gushing than fretting it involved in in this right now to create a to create a true balance but it is an interesting time too to think about the meat on the bone because they are 16 and 4 and and there's meat on the bone i also think what is important what is it what was important to me like after they beat boston and denver i you know i wrote a column that was just a gush because i I felt in my bones that this is a sustainable thing they're doing right now. Mm -hmm. And so I figured I debated with myself a little bit about, do I really want to say that at this early juncture? And there's a part of me, what, are you kidding? I mean, if you don't say that and it turns out to be sustainable, yeah. what are you doing in what you're doing then? I mean, the whole yeah. point of this thing, I mean, I used to get criticized constantly for, being an early ripper of a team that deserved to be ripped early. So, I mean, to get the flip side of it and to feel like a team deserves to be praised early, get in on the fucking ground floor. <laughs> <laughs> and But now, I mean, the problem with that is, of course, that we're on like the 17th floor and it's yeah. the same story. But that's, you know. It could be worse. I could be crying in my oats about uh, a 200% team rather than a 700% team. So 800. They won 80% of their games. I mean, that, again, yeah. wrapping uh, our, our heads around that. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's do both, right? Let's do yeah. what you did in the column. Let's gush and let's do small frets okay. uh, of, of what this uh, can be. I, I think off of last night, the gush you understandably started with was Gobert. And Had to. Had yeah, to. How could you not? I mean, they win the 30 minutes he's on the floor by 31, and they lose the 18 minutes he sits by 23 last night, which is actually sets up the perfect gush versus fret sort of thing here. But let's uh, let, let's start with Rudy, and uh, let's let's talk about what what was so encouraged, what he sustained here, right, in in an ongoing, encouraging manner of just playing his ass off. What I like the best about it, the dude is just having so much fun. I mean, he was joyless. He was a pain in the ass to be around. He's like a parent in the locker room. 
you know, and uh, last year he was just one of these guys that the stepfather, I always called him. And essentially now he's got the giddiness that, you know, he keeps under wraps a little bit because he's still, you know, he's a 30 year old guy, 31 year old guy. But there was a play last night where, uh, you know, Zach Collins drove to the rim, uh, began the third quarter, actually. Zach Collins drove to the rim. Rudy was there to meet him. Great verticality. Bounced off the rim. Rudy came down and the ball bounced enough that uh, he tried to, Collins tried to tip it. Couldn't. Moved out. Rudy chased down the ball after tipping it forward a little bit. Grabbed the ball and almost in one motion just kind of twirled a little behind the back pass to Nah, yeah. who's uh, going to bring the ball up, and literally skipped a step or two up the court. I remember I mean, that. This, that behind the back pass and that skip is like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm no longer in foul trouble. It's the third <laughs> quarter, and I've only played 12 minutes. I got so much energy. This team is not going to be able to contain me, and mm. I'm going to be rooting over there again. And, and to have that kind of guy as your teammate on the court, and a night when Ant was clearly rusty, the team wasn't necessarily ready to go out and dig deep. Mm-hmm. To have like your, you know, defensive cornerstone, aged veteran uh, guy who was the, you know, the albatross of your identity just a year ago, suddenly become like, this little Zypher ride, you know, this yeah. little, uh, uh, is just, it's, it's really good for the team. And it's, uh, something that's a pick me up. McDaniels is hurt. J Mac is hurt. All these guys who, whenever they hit the floor are usually big positives and rusty, mm-hmm. um, slow-mo in his own way, which we'll talk about in a minute, not fully himself. Um, and yet, Five games, five wins in a row, you know, that we don't even talk about on those terms anymore because 15 out of 17 sounds a lot better than five in a row, you know? Yeah. I've been, uh, what I've been thinking about with Rudy is this like idea of how you can be so much more consistent defensively than you can be offensively, just as a basketball player, right? Uh Like, there is even the best you know, offensive basketball players, right? Like you're not going to have your shot sometimes. Right. And that's not exactly. like a, it's, it's decently random. Right. right? Where, right. where, where you don't, and you don't have the, the shot that night. And then your hope, if you are a player who leans more offense than defense is like, all right, can I affect the game in other ways? Can I get to the line? Can I make small, smart decisions to still be a positive impact player? But it, it's one of those things where even the great offensive players are going to have, I don't know what the percentage of the time is, but like 20% of the time, just not really have right. it in, in the way that you do. And the interesting thing about defense is there's not, there's not this like hot, cold element to it. It's like, are you locked in and are you going to do it? And to Rudy Gobert's credit, he is locked in all the time and he does it all the time. And so there's not this like volatility to his performance. And, and I think that, it's that that raises the bar of the group. It gives you this right. consistency. It made Utah a 60-win team all the time because, you know, 75 games a year that he played in, he was a 
good defender, a great right. defender right. so much of the time. And, and I think that's the impact of Rudy Gobert. And I think that's what we're learning this season. That's what not just us watching the team are seeing, but I think there is a growing appreciation within the locker room of how consistently impactful he is. Um, and that's because it's, in many ways, because it's defense versus offense, which just have different natures to them. And also, the relationship is, it, it was never an infatuation. The only infatuation there was the front office with Rudy. That was the only place that really went. Right. So it wasn't like you have this relationship that is hot at first in terms of it being something that, hey, we're having a lot of fun. It was not. It was mismatched. But everybody knew that they were trying to put kind of colliding talents together, whether it was Cat and Rudy, whether it was Ant and Rudy, whether it was the way they used to play defense the season before with Rudy. Mm -hmm. There were all kinds of incongruencies at the same time. Nobody denied that if it could put, be put together, it would be awesome. The question of whether it could be put together. Well, now all of a sudden, or you know, a month ago, whatever you want to put in that, genuine glimmers that you know, last season they were you know little tiny embers that people were fanning furiously, saying, "Hey, this has got some heat to it." Now it's like you do have the kindling is caught and. The bigger logs are beginning to get, you know, really gonna they're gonna burn for a while. And mm -hmm. everybody knows this is a cool fire. And this is this is something that is put together in a way that uh it's it's constructed well, it's well insulated, and you have a situation where an elite defensive player is playing that way and is playing with the best defensive supporting cast of his career mm -hmm. and is being coached in a manner that is no longer a nine-year coddle. It is no longer like this is going to be, we're going to do things the way you've done them all the time. He's been challenged and he's responded to the challenge. He in turn has challenged his teammates. Coaches have challenged his teammates a lot of the bad influences, uh, there weren't all that many, but that to the extent they were here were gone. You guys, Conley and Slomo, you know, the, the whole litany we can go through. But at the end of the day, what I want to keep coming back to is joy is such an ingredient that you can never plan for sure. and and you can never uh you can hope for it, but it, it seems like a, a stupid thing to hope for because it, it's either going to be there or it isn't. Sure. And all of a sudden when it's there, it's magic. And we're looking at magic right now. We're looking at a team that is having so much fun proving that all the social media warriors didn't know what they were talking about and people like me didn't know what they were talking about bad-mouthing the ramifications of this deal. And to boot, they understand the path now, and they're experiencing the path now. Uh, it's just the, the bundle of goodwill that comes out of that that produces joy uh, 
is how you just continue to win in the clutch, how you continue to win when you're not playing your best. Um, I, I'm to the point now where I just want to see really good opponents. I want to see how this thing goes, you know. Uh, it's interesting. The I want to I want to talk about. We won't say what team it was from, but I do want to talk about how we had dinner last night with that scout from yeah. the team, because I think this is totally related. In that maybe the the magical element of this team, unless maybe you need to be watching it every single game, right? To to appreciate or have experienced exactly what went wrong and mm -hmm. how it affected people last year too. Yes. Yeah. There, there's just something to, I think there's going to be a greater appreciation for us covering this team, thinking about it every day or the fans who are watching and thinking about this team every day. Um, that lets your mind have fewer things to fret about. Right. Right. And um, it is curious though, that I don't think that that perception is, is around the league. So I want to talk about that, but let's, let's grab our, Okay. Falling Knife break here first. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Falling Knife Brewing Company. We always uh, plug Falling Knife on these on these Brit episodes. Uh, Brit and I have done a bunch of shows there live before. We love uh, the Falling Knife staff. But what I like even more is the the community uh, that they're building there. Brit, we've been talking about how a bunch of people have been going there to watch the games, and it's always, always something that never. Or I, I guess it made sense to me, but. I was like, why is there no anything anywhere that is uh, Wolves in the Minneapolis community? And I think um, maybe part of it was needed a team to be a little bit better to get people to come out and, and go see. But they've, they've, they've cultivated that. What, are you going to say something? Well, I just think that it makes sense to me that people who brew good beer, which requires a certain amount of discernment and taste, there you go. and uh, are also good basketball fans, uh, you know, I, when I talked to, you know, especially the brewer himself. Uh, Shout out Tom. Tom. Uh, it, you know, he like he loves to talk about hoops. Yeah. And, you know, one of the reasons they have us there, not only to bring people in, but so that we're around so that they can basically, <laughs> you know, corner <laughs> us for a while and talk about hoops. Right. I love that. I mean, I love the idea that, uh, this isn't a marketing decision to be a mm. basketball place as like, hey, here's a, a niche that is unfilled. Uh, these guys have season tickets. And, yeah, you know, true. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. like, so, you know. So it's literally not is, for them. It is. Yeah, I mean, it's for the business. Like, it's great. You know, and we, we're loving that a lot of people are going there and watching yeah. the, the games. But Well, I mean, and it, if I was a brewer and – I had a bar of that dimension, which I think is also a really good size. It's not, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like an old warehouse. And at right. the same time, it's uh, not like a little shoehorn place with four booths, you know? Sure. So I think it's the right size. They make good beer. They have a lot of TVs up and they care about the game and they'll get to know more people too. I sure. mean, mm -hmm. if, you know, if they're around and they're not too busy, you know, ask some of the people uh, yeah. about that, you know, cause, they like to talk wolves and uh, they're probably watching the games as often as you are and, uh, you know, go there and um, enjoy yourself. Yeah. Friday night, Memphis game on the road, uh, falling knife brewing company. They got projection screens. They got the sound on. They're showing the games. It is the wolves bar uh, in Minneapolis. Um, all right, Brett, we talked a little bit 
before that about how I, I this was I was on my mind the entirety of the game. Uh, we, we sat down and we had dinner with a scout from uh, right, the right. team last night, and uh, you know I, I think you and I kind of like pride ourselves on the you know we are objectively looking at this situation and covering this team right, and we're not right, going right. to get you know we're not going to get so swelled up with oh they're great and they're awesome and we're always trying to do the gush versus fret thing that we're talking about this whole episode right um but man did i feel like a fanboy trying to describe to this dude that this wolves team is really good it was just it it struck me so much of how deeply skeptical he was about this Wolves team, specifically through the lens of the playoffs, right? The playoffs. And he's, as, as he has many times, you know, scouted and prepared for series. And that, that's what stood out to me. He's like, you know, I would love to prepare for a series where it's Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert on the floor. Those are things that we can attack. And, um, and obviously I've had a little bit of that in my mind, Sure. For sure. And there, there's elements of that that are real. But it also really struck me the fact of how much of these first 20 games and how great it has been has been dismissed. And I think that's wrong. Like, I, I don't think you can just look at what Rudy Gobert has done this season and be like, yeah, that was just he did that in Utah. They won and- 60 games in Utah and they did this and they did that and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. And I asked him, you know, I mean, who are uh, who are the who are the best defensive players, you know, aside from Royce O'Neal? Mm-hmm. And he said Mike Conley. Well, Mike Conley was in Utah, you know, yeah. three years, and if if Mike Conley is your second or third best defensive player, I mean, here that's just Jade McDaniel's, Nikhil Alexander Walker. Uh, slow-mo you just go down the list and then you also have uh the 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 situation in utah was such that um i feel like it was a different experience and that rudy is no longer being coddled and 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 that's nothing against quinn snyder they did go far and then it just ran out but i guess i'm what I didn't appreciate about the guy, and um, part of that is just, you know, there's like four or five people around there you can't really get into. If I was going to talk to this guy and try to convince him that he was wrong, I would have needed to have it be more of a one-on-one conversation or at the very least have the rest of the table come into the, the wake of what I was about to do. You know, mm-hmm. and so I I just kind of threw in two cents here and there, but there was a part of me. I mean, when he got up to uh, get something, that the friend just said, this, "This team is fifteen and four, and he's sounding like it's a train wreck." You know, yep. and it's like uh, I've ripped this team plenty. I, I'm yes, you have infamous for it, and so. It just felt to me to be smugly naive, which is one of my least favorite combinations. Yeah, but even if I can like separate that, it was it was just this broad idea that I'm curious of how profound it is across the league. If if there's that much skepticism 
all over the place. Again, within the league, scout, right. executives, right. whatever. Is that how skeptical they all are about this Wolves team and this 16-4 and four Wolves start? Well, like, I hope so. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> but but that, that, that would be, that'd be fun. But, like, again, disagreed with them. I don't think I know he hasn't watched as much wolves as I have obviously smarter than me, but it's just like that, that element of it seemed to be missing, right? Like you, I don't think that can be, I don't think you can be deeply skeptical, skeptical about the Minnesota Timberwolves. If you've watched all 20 games, I just, I, I don't. In I, addition, what, what I said was it's not apples to apples. Rudy 60 win team. And this wolves team is not an apples to apples comparison. And what he said was, what's apples to apples is that when we all get together and we do our scout and a five or seven game series or whatever it comes down to, um, all of our energy goes into, okay, where is a team vulnerable? And we will hit that vulnerability over and over and over again. And that's what we will devote all our energy to. And a team that has Cat and Rudy, essentially, is what he was saying, mm -hmm. has those vulnerabilities. And that is an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. And I just That was interesting that, to me. That was interesting to me. Yeah. I, like, just uh, heard that. Well, and, and that's like saying, I guess, uh, that, for example, you attack Luka Doncic's defense. Mm-hmm. But what if Luka Doncic, you know, made a, a step that was, you know, uh, also a, a profound step that makes it seem like it's less penetrable. And and we both think Rudy's made a step that is less penetrable or less likely. To I just think that, again, it is something you do have to think about in terms of it is a star driven league. And, but there's always been a pushback for me in terms of just being able to say this matchup, you can hammer this one, you cannot so on and so forth. Yes. That's more true in the playoffs than it is during the regular season, but you, the playoffs happen at the end of the year for a reason. And it's because a team has proven itself over 82 games in a manner I mean, that's why Chris Finch didn't want to just do one type of defense uh, two years ago. He wanted yeah. to expand it. They're doing it now. I mean, they're running zones and switches as well as drops. Rudy's doing more. This Timberwolves team is a team, and for all I know, they could lose in the first round, but it is not going to be because Rudy Gobert still can be easily played off the floor. This guy expects that Rudy Gobert will be benched in the last five minutes of most playoff games. That's bullshit. I'm just going you know, well, hey, to, I, I really, really hope. Yeah. You know, and and, and how many it, times was, last year? Think about last year. Like when there were teams. It happened that really, <laughs> and, But what did Finch say? throughout the entirety of that time. Right, like right. we are going to live and learn with this. We are, right. we are not going to take Rudy off. We're not and going to take And the person who complained about it that night was gone in a month, Yeah, you know? And so again, 
if you want to have a self-fulfilling narrative about this, uh, yeah, okay. Um, Rudy Gobert is easily played off the floor in the playoffs because he can't cover in space. Well, if you watch the Timberwolves this year at all, yeah. you know that Rudy Gobert's ability to disrupt space beyond the paint, mm -hmm. at the very least beyond the restricted arc, which used to be pretty much his home and one he protected, turf he protected at the expense of trying to venture too far out. And that was the problem last year. Mm -hmm. And now that's not as much of the problem. So again, it's such a, it's like saying, you know, that because something has happened over and over again in a certain way, then it's going to happen the same way, despite the fact that a lot of significant things have changed circumstantially, but also a lot of things have changed in terms of the dynamics. Yeah. I, so I think it's important to define what Rudy defending in space is. Like, I think the simplistic version is there's two ways that a center, a center has to defend in space. In the action, right, they get the switch and now they have to be guarding a small in space on the right, board. right, and and Rudy has shown serious growth in that. Yes, there is another way to defend in space, and it is off the ball, and it is tracking lateral lateral movement to the perimeter. You're showing, and you're recovering, you're moving, and you have a willingness to let go maybe of the rim to defend the perimeter, even when you're not involved. There is, there's that is space the on the ball and off the ball. That's the secret sauce that Rudy mm -hmm. has found this year, I think. He is. I, I Okay, well, I, I would disagree to some extent. I would say he's found the secret sauce on the ball and being able to defend in space on the ball. I think not an A-plus off the ball in defending in space. And hold on, let me finish. Okay. Let me finish. The Golden State games and you think about the Dario block and there's been a handful of that. He has done it situationally. That is defending in space off the ball. The Sacramento game was a game where I think to an extent he got exposed defending in space off the ball, needing to defend laterally at times. And that's because Sacramento is very fast and they move the ball very fast. I'm excited to your point earlier to see more games like that, because I don't think there's been a lot of opponents who have done that. I would say off the top of my head, like Sacramento and Atlanta would be two that, that have that in, in their yes. game and that ability to, to stretch them. I just wanted to make that. Yes. Yeah. And, and what I would argue there is a couple of things. First of all, um, Sacramento was extraordinarily hot mm -hmm. from outside. Uh, I think that if somebody has phenomenal ball movement and has great outside shooters, to your point when you brought it up before, it's not anywhere remotely a consistent ethic. You're going to have – it's a make-or-miss league. That's when you begin – you know, you get the Houston Rockets that way or whatever. You know, call it whatever you want. That kind of ball can work for a while. Sure. Um, but if you have a defense, I, I think you – I would argue that what makes – the secret sauce this year is that Rudy is not worried that much 
that his old home by the rim is bereft. Yeah. He's got people who are going to be defending there and he will eventually get back there, but his mind is not half occupied with the, with the annoying notion. And for him back then, a really nettlesome notion that my teammates are letting me down. I'm out here in their territory and my territory where I make my bones is getting exposed. Mm-hmm. That type of mentality is how this thing breaks down. And I think that what has happened this year is that there is a sense of shared turf in the half court that Mike Conley, you see him checking bigs down in the paint. You see Nikhil checking bigs down in the paint. Jane McDaniels has only played now less than half of the team's games, is an elite on-ball defender. Um, and it's, it's personnel that can pursue and fight. They have the wings pursue and fight significantly more on this team than they do. And therefore, the- you have Rudy Gobert when he's going out to the corner, going out to the slot, is going out there with the purpose of taking care of that man rather than checking that man and hurrying back. I mean, depending on, obviously, each game is going to have different assignments. But um, I would say I am willing to watch a quality playoff opponent try to play the bigs off the court. This, This is the entire premise upon which the Wolves have staked their future. I think that I am considered it. now that they know what they're doing. Yeah. And they are now playing 800 basketball with not only two, but three guys that grew up as centers in the NBA. Yep. So uh, if teams think they can beat that, that's why I want to watch the games. And I'm not saying that it's guaranteed, but I'm saying my smugness is built on watching this team play for 20 games and the scout smugness from what I could see is built on Rudy Gobert's stone hands, Rudy Gobert washed up cat, you know, lazy bitching at the refs, so on and so forth. Uh, All these things, there are new dynamics at play here. And when you have locked yourself into a position where you have the best damn defense in the NBA um, I think it's incumbent upon the guy who thinks that, that they're going to throw that defense out in the crunch time of the playoffs mm-hmm. to make his case. Right. I, I do appreciate the candidness. And it, it was an interesting Absolutely. No, in fact, it was, you know, I shook his hand and I said it was nice talking to you. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have been either the three of us or me and him or whatever. There was three or four other guys who were all smart about basketball too. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of hard to... I mean, get as it. I as I get older, I I don't hijack as many conversations. I hope. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Brett, let's uh, let's move over uh, to Carl, which I think is in the I think this segues off of the Rudy conversation and sure. and all that sort of stuff. Um, specifically, not a good night last night. Yeah. Oh, well, I just want to talk about like the defense with Carl. Uh, on the floor as the center, or Rudy not on the floor defensively. Yeah. Um, because a That's good. a great signal of the early season was that the defense was awesome with right. uh numerically, right? The defensive right. rating was really good in like the first 10 games of the season when Rudy was off the floor. There was this, I don't know, red flag, or it was a it was a flag right. uh, that in those minutes opponents were when Rudy was off the floor and it was Cat and Nas out there or whatever, um, that they were shooting terrible from three. It was, I remember looking it up at one point, it was like 26, 27% or something like that, which is uh, a pretty significant um, fly in the ointment. I don't think why the non-Rudy minutes on defense have gotten worse are exclusively like shooting luck coming back. I not. I don't think that's ever really how it works. I think things play into shooting luck too, but it was for sure a factor. And um, overall, the numbers have changed with the Rudy off the floor minutes. And I think the San Antonio game is a really good example of that, where I don't know what it was exactly, maybe taking the Spurs a little bit lightly, but they were not engaged at the point of attack. And it was a lot of straight line drives right through the heart of the defense over and over again. I mean, the Spurs stink at offense, so they weren't necessarily converting those often. But um, they kind of beat up on the Wolves still when when Rudy was up, Rudy picked up his third foul early in the second right. quarter and they had to play the whole rest of the second quarter um, without him. And you go, OK, you know, let's put this back on one of the burners of like, what is the defense going to be like in in the non Rudy minutes? Um, and, and I was kind of thinking through that this morning a little bit of like, well, we shouldn't have expected early the early season defense of that. It's still Cat and Nas, and that's not their main thing, right? To be yeah. defensive bigs. Um, but I wonder if when Jaden's back, can you massage the rotations in a way so Jaden's actually out there more often with in the non-Rudy minutes? You know, the rim defense is going to be worse when it's Cat or Nas at the rim rather than it's Rudy. So can we address? 
the perimeter defense a, a little bit more um, in, in those sort of ways. Point being, I just think there's ways to make the non-Rudy defense better, but we should note um, that that is rather precipitously dropping. I agree. I also think that there is an element they clamp down on defense when they need to at different points. Now, a lot of that when Rudy, well, last night they didn't because Rudy was mm -hmm. pretty much the dominant factor. But if you look at the, the cat slow-mo Nas minutes together, they are still pretty good. You know? Yeah. I, but a lot of that, did have to do at the beginning of the season. And I would imagine still the three-point shooting numbers of that three-point shooting against them numbers um still for the entire season aren't aren't that good. So I just yeah. I'm saying we I don't think we should bank on that. I, I don't think that's a good stat to be like this that should give us some security of belief in that group defensively, in my opinion. All right. Well and I think that's fair. I, I think that if you're proposing fixes i think that one of the well can we start with do you think their fixes are needed oh yeah well i mean i think fixes are needed i don't think necessarily the front court is where it needs to be fixed though i think you, okay. to your point um i i think that how do you play troy brown Nikhil alexander walker jane mcdaniels and shake milton that is your quartet of what are supposed to all be two-way wings, you know? And for that matter, if you're going to put Ant back as the primary starter with the with the bench, that could be another way to do that, although that puts a lot on Ant that you don't necessarily want to do for that particular chore. I'm In answer to your question, I think that Rudy and Jaden really worked well together last year on defense. Mm -hmm. Slomo and Rudy really worked well together last year on defense. They both now play the three theoretically anyway. Um, so that you could do some flipping and, and lean into more slow-mo with the starter minutes and more Jaden mm -hmm. with the second unit minutes. Um, what that would have the added benefit of doing, the way I would sell it to Jaden is that that gives you a chance to unlock your offense a little bit more because this yeah, team... And, and I'm not suggesting he comes off the bench or anything. This no, I'm not, I'm not saying coming off the bench, but at the same time, it does... Mm -hmm. The players know once, they, you know once they've started and been off the bench back and forth a lot, they know that where the quality minutes are. Sure. Yeah, I mean, if you're playing with Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert, then then you're in the in the good seats. <laughs> And can I uh, can I just show you the yeah this is uh Carl with Carl Anthony Towns Kyle Anderson and Nas Reed all on the floor together defensively teams are only making twenty seven point four percent of their threes uh, against that group and and some of that is doing a good job contesting I I get that but I do think we need to look at like the league average is about ten percent higher than that so that's a uh -huh. factor in why the defense is overall just been uh, a lot better with those guys on the floor the defensive rating of 104.2 which is an elite number defensively with cat nas and kyle on the floor that is at least in part 
a factor of teams not making threes against them. I, I, I'm not trying to do that. It's the only numbers. Thing no, 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 no. I think, you know, you, your point is not invalid. Yeah. I, I think that um, I have never been a person that totally bought into the idea that the most random stat on the board is uh, opposing three-point shooting. Uh, just because I've seen, yeah, I mean, for example, the Celtics. You I was going to say that Boston thing. Brad Stevens, who was like six years in a row, they have the best three-point defense in the league, and it it's is, because it they have guys. They got guys like Derek White, and and mm-hmm. uh, you know even Malcolm Brogdon, but uh, certainly guys like Derek White and Jalen Brown, and 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 mm-hmm. size guys, and obviously Marcus Smart. There is some potential, it, and that's why I went back to this idea of I actually do believe that Nas and Cat and Slomo can be a good defensive front court. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying they can't, particularly right. with the, the guys who are playing off the bench, like that are playing with those three often are Ant and Nikhil, which are. Right two good options to to have on and and I think that's the Celtics part of this is you have five really long guys out there and your guards are really athletic and you are you can contest those shots that's part of why those numbers are down too I'm I'm not at all saying it's completely and and, and another reason why those numbers are down and I I know I'm beginning to sound I was a Sounded like a huge wolves defender when we were just talking about the scout, and now I'm talking. Sounded like a huge wolves defender talking about this, and it just happens to be where I am today. I You're guess. just Mr. Positive. Always. There you go. But uh, they're turning the ball over a ton right now, and that is that kills you defense. Yeah, um, and like, some of that you'd be surprised at how much of that affects three point shooting too, though. You know, open pull-ups and transition usually are are pretty accurate. Sure. Let let's let's move into some of that stuff. Um, you asked Finch like after the game. Well, actually, I I did get this this clip here just about like the nature of these wins. Oh against, yeah, yeah, right. Um, you know, against these teams. So let's half play that clip. Half half empty, right? Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about those after this. Do you see the last couple of games against? teams with losing records and you guys are obviously on the top of the league right now not playing with the same kind of unity and intensity you were in the you know five ten games ago still winning these games is this is that half empty or half full in your view as you watch these things um i'm probably more of a half empty by nature guy you know um we got to get better through winning it's a challenge it's it's a sign of maturity um you know i think tonight a lot of it had to do with uh, you know rust. I think you know I, you know I will chalk some of it up to that, but um, you know that that's a team that played extremely well. They're desperate coming in off of a um, you know long losing streak, and you know we knew we after a few days they were going to reset and be able to we were going to take their best punch. But we got to be better. You know I think the turnovers are creeping up. You know um, the intensity's got to defensively's got to maintain when Rudy's off the floor, uh, and I think you know. Just got to continue to stay in the flow of the offense. Um, I, love, I, I yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead because I think we're we're definitely not on the same page a lot. 
<laughs> no, I, I really like and think it's super important that that is the way that Finch is thinking about this. I and agree. and there's this like whole thing and I've gotten, you know, chastised about it a little bit too of like with the macro picture of this team of like enjoying the now versus thinking about the later and, and all that sort of stuff. Like that's just how my mind works right. in, in, in this and, and probably well, in the micro now too, where we're talking about the meat on the bone and, and those sort of things. Um, I think, you know, for the fans, even for the players, you know, the, the people are consuming this team, like, hell yeah, like enjoy, absolutely enjoy this. Now. I think it's very important that the coach can both enjoy it and be half empty by nature. I think that is going I to be agree. a critical element to sustaining this throughout the season because they peaked early. Or like maybe not peak, but right. they're at a high level early. Right. And the only way to maintain that high level throughout the entirety of the season is with a coach who has that mentality, in my opinion. A number of things about that. First of all, I agree with more of what you just said than I thought I was going there to. There we go. Good, good, good. Um, and I totally agree with you that uh, anybody who thinks this team is a 66-win team, which is their current pace, is really overestimating I mean, there's magic here, but I just don't think this is a 66-win team. That's dynasty territory, and that's not where you are having won, you know, mm -hmm. what, 42 games the year before. Um, the problem I had with Finch in that answer is I thought there were a couple of things. He said they were rusty. He had said, like, 10 minutes before that they had two of the best practices They've yeah, had. That's a good point. Uh, he did say so. That. You know, I mean, like, don't shine me on with that stuff. I mean, well, maybe, and but, okay, but say, and, 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 okay, and okay. also the whole thing with the Spurs <laughs> is this whole idea that uh, we knew they were going to take their best shot. They couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. They did not give you their best shot. They were terrible on offense. You know. Yeah. I so, think he did the thing where he's like, he started answering honestly. And, and he didn't he goes, want to totally screw the team. Right. It's like, what What was it? There was some other thing he, he did. A sim oh, when I was asking, I asked him about Cat and uh, shot selection because he had just got through saying in the pregame mm -hmm. that Cat's uh, shot selection, he needs to take a lot of threes. And Cat was five for six for the night and two for three from three. But there were many more times where he drove and either turned the ball over or charged and or charged because mm -hmm. they turning the ball over and charging the same thing, but he lost the ball as well as losing the ball through charging point being after he said that for a while and said, you know, yeah, we want to in pregame. He said, we shoot from outside. That's the best way for us to be with cat mm -hmm. on the floor. Cat getting up threes. He's the best shooter on the team. One of the best shooters in the league, etc. One but of the dumbest he, questions I've ever heard in a media session was <laughs> yesterday when somebody asked him, "Cat is the best shooter on the team." <laughs> well, was that a guy? One of those retired newspaper people who parachuted in? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was. So uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, what, are, what are we doing? The, what are we doing? the, the, the my point is that in that particular answer, 
I enjoyed the part where Finch was saying, we got to do this, we got to do this. And I am thinking of it half empty. What I found interesting was, as he was saying it's half empty, he was basically trying to take it that at the time it was two thirds empty and kind of make it half yeah, empty. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? I mean, there's water in there though. There's for sure <laughs> yeah, water. There's a ton of water in there. I, and I yeah. just think it's the, yeah, the, the idea of it is good. And, and again, to be thinking about this and, and ways in which that it can sustain. I thought like the three things he listed off in there were the turnovers yes. are creeping back up. Yeah. Defensive intensity when Rudy's not on the floor isn't there and we need to stay in the flow of the offense. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, so we already talked about the defense without Rudy. Um, the turnovers in the Sacramento, Memphis, OKC, and San Antonio games just numerically were really high. That's four of the and last six. Here's what I think about that. I think the turnovers are arrogance. I think that people are beginning to say, hey, we're really good, and I'm going to make a nifty play here, you know? I see I, I don't a lot think it's of that as much, man. I, I don't. I think it's. I don't think it's trying to do like flashy plays. I think it's a some a situational like lack of discipline on some passes. It is lack. It's not flashy so much as not basic. Okay, not yeah, that, that's awesome. All right, we're at yeah, same page. but I mean, but to to skip over a pass mm -hmm. to to try to get two passes worth of ball movement in one ball movement. Yeah. That to me is you know, arrogance to some extent. You're, it's not giving the defense enough credit, and it's also kind of telegraphing where your mind is at. Sure. I like to look at a crisp team. Finch calls it clean. I call it crisp. Same definition. He wants to see a clean game, and what by that he means people making quick, accurate decisions. Mm -hmm. How many times has he praised Nas, not even so much for the accurate decision-making, but for the quick decision-making. Decisive because, is the word he uses all yes. the time. And, and because of that, that is how you get to clean and crisp because, and this is another great answer from Finch that I, I guess I'll get into in a minute, but the idea when you are decisive and rapid in your decision-making, you reveal how much you are in the game. Mm. If you make a rapid but not wise decision, then you're not really in tune. And it kind of gets to the point where somebody asked him, how much do you give stars leeway or players leeway? And he went to that line, which I love. This is actually a, a Finchism that I really like, is two things happen with that. You know, they do what they're best at anyway, so you're not leading them to water. They're leading themselves to water. And they're leading them to the place you both want them to drink from. And when they're not doing that, it becomes really obvious because it's doing something they don't do well. And it's easily corrected because they're the ones that initiated it. That was and a great answer. I really like that. It is a great answer. Yeah. And so, and that is why I will tell you that um, veteran players like him so much. 
because they understand the logic by what he's doing. And when they go to him to talk veteran talk, like, you know, don't shine me on. I know where I'm at. I know, like, for example, Troy Brown, I know I'm not in the top eight right now. Um, but, you know, X, Y, and Z, and I'm just checking in and Finch maybe had said earlier, I haven't forgotten about you. Your time is coming or whatever. He said the Torian Prince said almost the exact same thing two years ago and then again last year. And these are the guys that you need. You need to keep your stars happy and you need to keep your veteran role players whose roles are fluctuating, who know really, really well what a role fluctuation could do to their future. You need to be able to communicate with them in a manner in which they believe you when you talk to them. And that's good coaching. And so, and that's another reason why I think that this magic is going to be more sustainable than people suspect. Yeah, no, I, I like, I like. The, it's kind of the general idea of uh, the flow of an offense, right? Right. When you're playing in flow, not strict play call sets, but general motion designs, um, it's more apparent when you're not part of the five, right? Like right. if one of the five players are not in the flow, it's pretty easy to diagnose um, on film. Right. And as I right. understood this concept a little bit better, that, that, that makes sense to me. I've seen, I've watched it. You know, I, I, I know when that is happening. I did think that was interesting from his answer this is the one where, okay, so he said defensive intensity, why it's a half empty win. The defensive, they've been half empty wins. The defensive intensity with Rudy, with Rudy not on the floor, hasn't been there. The turnovers have been perking up. And he also said, we're not staying in the flow of the offense. That one is more intriguing to me, right? It, it's it's less definable. We can't just look at the defensive numbers with Rudy off the floor. We can't just look at the turnover numbers. There's more of a, a feel to it or really, really need to watch the film to see where it is. I'm curious what you where you would diagnose the flow of the offense somewhat going away these last few games and how much of that is just Ant missing two of the games and then being a fraction uh, of himself in, in the last game. What isn't Ant? I guess we know that Ant being out takes away from that, but are there other things that they've started to lose in the offensive flow? Yeah, I think that injuries and um, underperformance have thinned the roster of collective capability. Uh, I think losing Jade McDaniels, who was playing really well on offense, as he did last year analytically, sure. you know, um, his defensive numbers surprisingly are not that great, but um, he was becoming really good glue uh, on offense and he was gone. Mm. I didn't think about that one. That, that's a good one. That's a good one. And, and, and also, I think that if you remember when they were at that, I, I regard the Celtic game as the best game of the season in terms of both of those teams, I think, played really well themselves. Went, went into the locker room thinking we played really well. You know, Celtics felt that way. Sure. Certainly their coach felt that way. And the Celtics were undefeated at the time, if I'm not mistaken. So it's, uh, you know, it's 
that was a hell of a game. And what I remember about that was the lead was never like more than six points throughout yeah. the entire yeah, game. Either way, yeah, right. And so what I saw from that was offense against exactly the kind of team that can get out there and contest you on the perimeter, can contest the paint. They had Porzingis. They have all these other guys. Mm -hmm. The offense was there to do some things collectively. And then there was also times when guys like Conley or slow-mo or other initiators said, all right, this is the time to throw the keys to Ant. This is the situation and the time. <clears throat> there are going to be times sometimes where you want to play a team flow game, and then there are going to be other times when you're going to want to work an action to get an ISO and then see what happens and work off that. I think that's the kind of mixture when you know when you're doing that and how you're doing that you are in the flow of the offense. Okay. It doesn't necessarily have to be a five-person thing, but it does have to be an understanding of, all right, Ant is a good, good, you know, he's doing one of his little circular dribbles around the nail. We need to be ready on the weak side for either a pass or to crash for the boards. Somebody else needs to be able to get back for floor balance in case he drives. All these things that people are thinking about as they're doing it, knowing what Ann is about to do, that's being in the flow of the offense. Or if you're saying we're going to run a pick and roll for the weak side corner or the strong side corner, what are the things everybody has to do off that? We're not seeing as much of that kind of collective group think and unity as we have in the past. And I think some of that is injuries and underperformance. Yeah. I think whenever Shake Milton is in the game, everything goes to shit when it comes to offense. I mean, that's just the way it is. I was, you know, of neutral mind, perhaps even leaning positively because I like the idea of the physicality of a guy on the perimeter like that. But he's been horrible. He's been the Bryn Forbes of 23-24. And, you know, th that's a curse. I did not want to whisper. I, I would more say it's more reminiscent of Culver. <laughs> I'll see you burn Forbes and raise you Jared. Well, Coles. I'm I'm no, raising no, no, it because no, the, the know, stakes that he's yeah, playing yeah, more. Yeah, uh, Bryn yeah, Forbes yeah, was yeah. bad last year. He didn't yeah, play that yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and, and now he's headed toward Bryn Forbes territory. That's he played 12 minutes last night. Yeah, he's 18, I think. It is a. I, I feel he seems like a really nice dude. You know, good dude. Like, uh, I, I'm yeah, no, I'm not trying that. to do the like totally we ripped on him do that thing. I, right. I, I think it's just like the the hope with him is he's about to leave the rotation. That's pretty clear from you know Troy Brown was the first sub in right. the game last night for Ant, and yep. you're getting Jaden and J Mac back. Like, but just as they've been navigating injuries to Ant, Jaden, and Jordan over these last few weeks, like that's going to happen again. Yep. And Shake is going to get an opportunity akin to the one that Troy Brown Jr. has gotten. Absolutely. So like, all right, what can you do? What can he do to be, to come back in and be a role player when that time comes? So that's going to happen. They're not going to go, they're, right. they're not going to go to Wendell Moore Jr. over him. You know, like Absolutely. he's going to, He's going to play again sometime this season, so it's just it, it seem it seems like it's time for that one to take a break, and it 
I assume it will once once Jordan. Right. Were you were you were you being rhetorical when you said what uh will what will he come back as? Uh, because I mean I would yeah. answer Yeah, no. I think you have to scrap the idea that he is a playmaker. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I think that if that happens, and I think everybody knows that now but Shake Milton. And so Shake Milton has to have that penetrate. And that may take some time on the bench for a while, just thinking about it. In his uh, defense, they told him that. They so pumped they, him up. I, no, they, I, I said that. Yeah, they told oh, him to be the, the... They basically turned him into a misshapen thing yeah. right now. And, and, and that was their misjudgment. And Finch was totally in on that, if not mm -hmm. the instigator of it. And yeah, so it reminds me of unlocking Rudy, Rudy post-ups last year, whatever. Like <laughs> exactly. it's one of those ideas. And, and, you know, and Vinch has a really good hit rate, obviously this yeah, year and, and, and overall and, in adjustments, but you're going to miss the, time. And yeah. he also has a transparent track record. I mean, can you imagine parsing Tom Thibodeau's decisions? Sure. You know? yeah. I mean, right. you know, we know exactly. That's a good point. There's a, what we he know is what Vinch doing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that, Plugging in Troy Brown as a almost a shake figure without the ball handling playmaking, which I hope will go to J Mac now. He deserves another shot. Mm. I mean, he had his usual plus 24 net rating when he went down, albeit in tiny minutes. But still, I think that having Shake come back as a clogging defender and somebody who can be the equivalent. So, you know, a lot of teams have a designated scorer off the bench that is, is potent, not a sixth man, but a guy who can put it in Doug McDermott last night. I would, I would like to think that shake could be the kind of player that you put in the game in the second unit and just, make him kind of a wing stopper of the second unit. Okay. I don't know if the McDermott comp hits there. But because he's such a catch and shoot guy and not on the ball. Or not a defender. <laughs> I mean, no, 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 no. I'm talking yeah. about shake defending. Oh. I, In other words, okay. a guy Defending who, a Doug McDermott. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. I was like, I thought you were. No, no. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, Melton is Doug McDermott. That would be fascinating. Yeah. No, what I'm saying is. I think if teams that's true, have my guys. Comp is wrong. <laughs> teams have guys like in the seventh, eighth, ninth man slots who are really potent scores. Yeah. And a guy who's 6'5, 220, like Shake Milton, Seven who I think no, knows yeah. how to defend, can get out and snuff those guys. Mm -hmm. That's I see that as a really good role for him. Yeah. And lean into defense. And also, I mean, you're the one that brought this up, and they brought it up when they signed him. He has had a history when he is on a roll and getting minutes of suddenly being very productive. Yeah. And so when those things happen, you know, like as Troy Brown is doing now, give him the flowers of his moment and benefit from it. This is kind of what good teams do. Anybody, you know, that's seen a really good team for a while, um, guys move in and out that have like two weeks where they just roll.
and 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 it's very important. Yeah, and that's and, what I'm saying. That's got to be the hope for that. That's the next step, I think, for Shake. Or the, the next, next step, step is probably out of the rotation. But the next yeah. positive one is 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 hopefully that opportunity Absolutely. and seizing it. Um, yep. Last thing I want to hit on. You had this in the the column too. Is um, Kyle Anderson, and I want to talk about it through the like idea of how do you get Kyle back. Um, to to what he was uh, a season. It's not that he's been bad. He's still been elite defensively. He's been playing offense differently. And there's this team is like 19th and off. They need to get better at offense, particularly off the bench. And um, how do they do that with Kyle Anderson now playing the three almost exclusively um, and not shooting threes anymore? How how can you get Kyle to be more of the offensive weapon he was a season ago uh, in a new role and with a different shot confidence? That's, I think that's a tough question. I can't answer it, quite frankly, because I don't think anybody knows slow-mo better than slow-mo. And I already see all the ways he's filling in for his underperformance now. He cannot shoot from beyond the arc. I mean, those shots Well, he just are, isn't. What were the numbers again? Well, he, he's zero for six since November 8th from deep. <laughs> I don't know which uh, number is more concerning, the zero or the six. Exactly. No and same. it's a month. That's a month. It's a month yeah. from tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I called it a month because my column will be out tomorrow. It worked out really well. <laughs> but, uh, but, and, and. Uh, two for 16 or something overall. Yeah, He's he's made two threes this year. Right. He made more than two threes in numerous games last year. True. You know, he shot 41%. This mm. year he's shooting 16.7. And I raised the specter and I hate to, I almost hated to open that can of worms, but I want to be true to the column in what I'm talking about with you now. It is inevitable that you have to think about it. He had eye surgery and he has had trouble with his goggles. He angrily threw them aside during the free throw. He wearing them, right? Exactly. And so I think there's probably some eye issues that he's still coping with. I don't have any idea. Uh, on the down low, I've been told by people that Slomo does not want to talk about it. Uh, and when you talk to Fitch about Slomo, he just says, ah, get out of here. He's great. Leave me alone. Right. And so, you know, it isn't something I could verify. So I didn't want to make it mm -hmm. a cause and effect thing, but it's hard to write about it and ignore this aspect of it. So mm -hmm. it was kind of this weird dance I had to do. On the other hand, what I am seeing is there's nothing wrong with his court IQ. There is nothing wrong with the way he recognizes defenses and so on and so forth. But there is, his turnovers are up. Why are his turnovers up? I didn't have this in the column. I don't think, I think I left it out. But his turnovers are up, in my opinion, because those used to be open shots that he is no longer taking. Uh -huh. He's dribbling in and he's looking for the next pass. And in usually a, in that's, a condensed shell. And yeah. that's kind of late in the clock. And I think he's trying to do things. His turnover percentage is the highest of his career right now. Interesting. I so for me, I'm um, I, I'm not ignoring the eye thing. Mm -hmm. I, I'm looking for 
other explanations. Because mm-hmm. like you said, that's a, I've heard similar thing. Like, I don't know. We don't know. We don't know about the I think. And to oh. say it's an I think is 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 not fair to him. Mm-hmm. So I'm compartmentalizing whatever but, the thought is. I think it's wise. And and I'm thinking about what is different this year, right? Or what can we what else could it be? And the one thing is, which is something I came into the season somewhat skeptical about is moving completely to the three versus the four. We've gone through this before. His most successful seasons throughout his career were the seasons in which he was playing the four versus the three. Not that it's like a always like it couldn't work or whatever. Um, but it's a it is a difference. And right. and I and then additionally, uh, he's been an extremely volatile shooter his whole career in both attempts and makes. Yep. He's not, I mean, God, let's just look at the shot. Like, he's, he's been not below shooter. 30% for his 10 years. From and, and the frequency of the threes go go up and down too. And that's just almost all down, on. quite frankly. I mean, he had one year where he shot 3.8 a game. And mm-hmm. his next most frequent, I think, is 1.7. Yeah. And, and, he got, I mean, it wasn't a huge volume last year, but he got in a rhythm and he got in a confidence with right. it. And they were there in the corners often. Like that was where he was being asked position. He's in the high quad. A lot Aren't you surprised? I mean, I was shocked when I found out how few threes he shot last year because they were very memorable. I mean, he would, but he, he would stop them. He was, they, they came and went too. the volume came and went like week to week or month to month with him yeah. too. Like oh, that's weird. It was, well, it's, I mean, I, but never has he gone. I I'm maybe his rookie year, his first two years. There's no way he's shot six free throws. I no, mean, three, six, three, six threes, yeah. sorry. In 13 games over a period of a month, six yeah. total and not made a single one. Not only that, but I would bet that, over a third of them were not even close to being in the cylinder. They were off. They were clanked. They either missed the back into the rim entirely, or they hit the side of the rim. They I were. Bet, I bet you two or three of them are late shot clock grenades too. Yeah, it could be, but the, yeah, and that's because he doesn't want to shoot them otherwise. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I think that's yeah, an affirmation yeah, uh, yeah, of the point yeah. there. The, so, the the great thing is how much the otherwise impact is there like like the most underrated part of his season last year was the defense i mean they were he's like a defensive effective plus minus i mean was like 96 percentile last year again it's the same the defensive impact measured statistically is is the same so you're not losing anything else there you're just gonna i think it's gonna be about a, a repositioning and uh i i think if he's going to be playing on the wing with two other bigs, it, I think the best place is on the ball just to get into the action. You know, I, there was a, a handful of possessions where he was just the point guard and they're running scripted actions. Like maybe you put the ball in his hands more or as much as you can, at least when he's not on the floor with Conley just to initiate because they're right. going to guard him as a passer, but there just needs, I think point being, and I'm glad you brought it up in there. There's like, he's a few small tweaks away from, you know, making himself work and maybe it's a new or work better. And it's a little bit of a newer version uh, of himself, but uh, we'll. Uh, and context, he's in a contract year. Yeah. 
And I mean, you know, that's uh, and and this team is squeezed mightily. I, you know, you don't want to get into it, but Conley is in a contract year. Slow Mo is in a contract year. Uh, if well, I if I had to answer right now, I mean, that was <laughs> we we had that conversation. Which one? If you have to let one of the two go, we're like, it was know. really a toss yeah. up. And I'm still I'm I Finch loves him so much and loves Conley so much. Goddamn important that. Uh, <laughs> It is a really, really hard yeah. way to go. And slow-mo, you know, it isn't like the first time he's been mm-hmm. wanted, but not not enough to pay him. And right. all I can tell you is if he does leave, uh, some team is going to get a great player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because, I mean, he, he can fit. In, in any group, even if he's not a perfect fit. Does that make no, sense? Actually, even that, yep, I think that's exactly what, right. Yep. What, what's, like, what's happening like right good now. clay. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Let's uh, let, let's stop there. I, I do want to mention, I meant to say this off the top of the show, but I didn't. Uh, Kyle and I are going to go uh, live on YouTube and do our episode this week, just live after the Grizzlies game on Friday. So uh, games at seven, probably about 930. Uh, or whatever, we will uh, go be going live and doing a podcast live. We'll take questions and uh, all that that sort of thing. So obviously, um, go to youtube.com slash at Dane Moore NBA. We'll tweet out links and all that. But be thinking about that if you're watching the Grizzlies game and you want to kind of uh, tap in there, subscribe to that that YouTube channel for, for notifications there uh, as well. I think that's the... Yeah. And then I should hawk something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have your... Yep, go ahead. Uh, and that is that um, I'm doing the first post Zoom of the season the hour before the uh, New Orleans game on Monday. On Monday, yeah. Okay. So in other words, it'll be a 6 p.m. Uh, is free registration at post. Anything you see at post that I send out as a link does not involve you contributing to post. That is always going to be your decision, mm-hmm. and it does not involve your participation if you want to ask a question on the Zoom or just stop by and visit the Zoom and listen in or whatever or anything, if they have this newsletter thing, if you want to get this newsletter that essentially is my column uh, a little bit early perhaps and then also maybe some stuff that I normally would have put in back in the old days of length that uh, now, you know, they, they, they want to leave out. I, if I can throw it in uh, to the newsletter – uh, that can happen. There'll be a link for that. It is There is a link up for that somewhere. Um, all of that is free. And if you like it, then, you know, if you want to donate to MinPost, fine. But again, you're not under any obligation. And, uh, you know, just let's, let's keep this on, on a level where, you know, I, I like to be comfortable with the people who want to read and listen to me. And uh, I'm never going to hold you up. Yeah. No, it's those are fun. Like, I mean, I, I'll probably jump in uh, Monday too and have it up and listening as well. I mean, we, I, I promise we are not patronizing you all when we say we think this is an extremely smart fan base and I, oh, yeah. it, it absolutely is true. The questions I receive when we do mailbags or I've heard on there too, is like, you guys are the people listening are locked in, you know, right. and they, they get and understand the game and, I always say like two years of being terrible, like killed off all the cat or two decades of being terrible, <laughs> killed off all the casuals. And 
like the only people who were left and sustained were really smart and devoted uh, wolves followers. And it makes for great, you know, conversation when we, when we have like, when we get together at the breweries or right. do these sort of things too. So, well, my readers have educated me for 30 years. I mean, city pages used to have a comment section when the online first started, yeah. I was doing three pointers that comment section created a lot of stuff for me and more than one commenter turned out to have what back then were called blogs. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And, and, you know, some Nate who, you know, wound up uh, running Canis or starting founding Canis and Andy and punch drunk and a bunch of other people. And there's still people who say, Hey, I was an original city pages guy, yeah. but there's also a whole bunch of new folks that are coming in and uh, you know, it, it's just, if I love to watch the game, I love to talk about the game and uh, I don't see those two things as uh, mutually exclusive. I, in fact, I see them as well, Dana and I are nonstop conversationalists during games. No. Probably, uh, more me than you. Sometimes you're busy trying to compute something, but. Uh. <laughs> well, you, know, you guys just want to break down every single challenge or like, I'm like, you guys, we're going to figure it out here in 45 seconds. Like leave me out of this part of the conversation. I'm going to go look at it. We have a great, we do have great conversation on our very jammed media row where I. And inside jokes that are by now like eight concentric circles deep. Speaking of Culver, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's two missed free throws. Two missed free when throws. Somebody Culver's Culver. something. It's two missed free throws. And and a Derek. A Derek is a splitting free throw. Derek and then Fuller. there, a Curry is two made free throws. But now I, I we call it Super Curry one that nobody touches the rim. It's really, really creative. Name. But they they need to. We need to. We need to uh, branch that out a little bit more. somehow. Conley. Conley, that's three free throws when time is expired. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only one who's ever done it, to my knowledge. Uh, that's 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 true. Um, all right, uh, check out Britt's column uh, over at Mim Post. That'll be up. Uh, this is going to actually not be up until Thursday uh, evening. This this episode recording in the afternoon. Uh, Britt's column uh, will be up on Friday morning at Mim Post. As always, uh, we appreciate you guys listening to all these and uh, reading the, the writing as well. Um, I, again, will be back with Kyle uh, after the game on Friday. So no Friday afternoon episode with Kyle, just just Friday evening uh, after the game. Yeah, and until then, he's Britt. Follow him on Twitter at Britt Robson. He'll tweet out the column. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Dane Moore MBA underscore podcast. And uh, yeah, until then. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.